Section One of Selected Poems of Francis Thompson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Selected Poems of Francis Thompson by Francis Thompson. A Biographical Note on Francis Thompson. Francis Thompson, a poet of high thinking of celestial vision and of imaginings that found literary images of answering splendor died in london in the winter of nineteen o seven his life always a fragile one doubtless owed its prolongation to man's unconquerable mind in him so invincible through all vicissitudes that he seemed to add a new significance to wordsworth's phrase to his mortal frame was denied the vitality that informs his verse Howbeit his verse was himself, he lived every line of it, fulfilling to the last letter his own description of the poet, piteous yet proud. He lives detached days, he serveth not for praise, for gold he is not sold. He asketh not world's eyes, nor to world's ears he cries, saith these, shut if ye please. To this aloof moth of a man, science was nearly as absorbing an interest as was the mysticism that some thought had eaten him up. And to give a light example of his actuality, he who had scarce handled a bat since he left Ushaw College, knew every famous score of the last quarter of a century, and left among his papers cricket verses, trivial yet tragic. One such verse acquaints us, incidentally, with his Lancashire lineage. It is little I repair to the matches of the southern folk, though my own red roses there may blow. It is little I repair to the matches of the southern folk, though the red roses crest the caps I know. For the field is full of shades as I near the shadowy coast, and a ghostly batsman plays to the bowling of a ghost. And I look through my tears on a soundless clapping host as the sun-stealers flicker to and fro to and fro o oh, my hornby and my barlow long ago born at preston in eighteen fifty nine the son of a doctor afterwards in practice at ashton underline he inherited no literary traditions he had to be sure an uncle an oxford convert to catholicism from the ranks of the anglican clergy whose name appears on the title pages of tracts which perhaps because for their own times seemed assuredly for no other the seven years francis thompson passed at ushaw a college near durham which then possessed few literary traditions besides those of lingard waterton and wiseman but can now boast lafcadio hearn's as well as thompson's own were no doubt influential for him for certain individualism still lingering in the outstanding seats of learning gave him a lucky freedom to follow his own bent the ample reading of the classics after ushaw he went to owens college to qualify for his father's profession in his preliminary examination distinguishing himself in greek his attempts to translate dead languages into living dated back to these days though of the list of words which some who were amused and others who were irritated put down to his own inventing many were made familiar to him in his intercourse with milton with Shelley, with Shakespeare, his most vital companions. If these poets went, 
like alexander as far as chaos and if thompson hazarded one step more as emerson said goethe did thompson too swung himself safely back again in manchester literature if not melancholy had already marked him for her own and it was his religio medici rather than his materia medica that he put under his pillow perhaps the lump of it suggesting to him his after-image about the poet's dreaming his hardest pang whereupon he lays his mutinous head may be a jacob's stone a definite reminiscence of the dissecting room at manchester may certainly be discovered in his allusion in an anthem of earth to his heart as aras in purple like the house of kings the regal heart that comes at last to stall the grey rat and the carrion worm stately lodge possibly the sorrow of filial duty unperformed a sorrow deeper with him than is common among such predestined delinquents aggravated the bodily ailments which already beset him and drastic indeed were the remedies he himself prescribed physician heal thyself the dire taunt took flesh as it were in francis thompson and his plight was visible to all men himself he could not say biography strangely repeats itself not in common mental experience only but also in uncovenanted details of fact and incident like de quincey whose writings he took into his blood thompson had a nervous illness in manchester like de quincey he went to london and knew oxford street for a stony-hearted stepmother his wealth like de quincey's once lay in two volumes for he carried Escules in one pocket blake in the other and the parallel might if to profit be further outdrawn to most incongruous modes of making a living he now put his hand his assistantship in a shop near leicester square would have fitted him for the production of a record of adventures among boots and later as a collector for a bookseller he must often have bent beneath his sack which if heavy so he might comfort himself was at least heavy with books of these things he spoke with a matter of fact all excepting simplicity when a little later some verses he sent to a magazine brought him believers who sought until they found him after a course of medical treatment he went to storrington that beautiful sussex village has now its fixed place on the map of english literature for there it was that francis thompson discovered his possibilities as a poet on its common he met the village child whom he calls daisy in the verses that are so named and it was characteristic of this poet that from the ordinary episodes of ordinary days he made his golden musics when he saw the sunset at storrington the resulting ode was dotted with local landmarks the cross for instance casting its shadow in the monastery garden the children of the family in london into which he was received were the subjects of poppy the making of viola to monica thought dying to my godchild all in the first book of poems while two of their number have a noble heritage in sister songs constant to the end when he died some newly penciled lines were found addressed to olivia a yet younger sister recalling the strains of fifteen years before i fear to love you sweet because love's the ambassador of loss to their mother likewise were addressed the poems of fair love labelled love and diane's lap of which coventry patmore said that laura might have been proud 
Hers also were many of the new poems. If, therefore, as one critic after another declared, a poet had dropped from the skies, those skies of light of the seventeenth century had dropped very much upon the spot. Mr. Thompson must simply be Crashaw, born again, but born greater, declared the first of his reviewers. And Mr. Trail, in the nineteenth century, inquired, where, unless perhaps here and there in the sonnet of Rossetti's, has this sort of sublimated enthusiasm for the bodily and spiritual beauty of womanhood found such expression between the age of the Stuarts and our own? Mr. Trail added boldly his belief, daring then, though acceptable enough now, that, alike in wealth and dignity of imagination, in depth and subtlety of thought, and in magic and mastery of language, England possessed in this little volume the evidence of a new poet of the first rank more expectedly coventry patmore in the fortnightly review hailed in the newcomer a disciple of their common master the florentine poet of fair love and expressed the opinion that mr thompson's qualities ought to place him in the permanent ranks of fame the hound of heaven was to patmore one of the very few great odes of which the language can boast such pronouncements proved at least that a poet who had no friends save as his published poems gained for him would count on an immediate recognition for high merit for these tributes and many more of like welcoming placed him instantly out of range of the common casualties of criticism and he had what poets of old to their great sorrow lacked he had trial by his peers a kind fate gave him fellow poets among his reviewers Perhaps a more convincing sign, even than that of professional praise, was conveyed by the chance allusion he lighted on later in Lady Burne Jones' biography of her husband. The winter's labor, she says, was cheered by the appearance of a small volume of poems by an author whose name, Francis Thompson, was till then unknown to us. The little book moved him to admiration and hope. And speaking of the Hound of Heaven, Burne Jones himself said, Since Gabriel's blessed damosel, no mystical words have so touched me. Shall I ever forget how undressed and dressed again, and had to undress again, a thing I most hate, because I could think of nothing else? Sister Songs, published in 1895, the poem of which Mr. William Archer has said that Shelley would have adored it, is a poem to read aloud. For sound and sense herein celebrate their divine nuptials. One of the high memories of the present writer is that of hearing it so read by Mr. George Wyndham in the hearthstone of Byron's granddaughter. The lines therein that deal with sex, dormant in the child-girl, yielded the poet perhaps his most amazing imagery. Superabundance, murmured some, surely a fault, as happy as was ever a son of Adam's. The charge of obscurity brought against the poem was more apt. For who that did not know of his days and his nights in the London streets could follow such a poignant piece of autobiography as this? Forlorn and faint and stark, I had endured through watches of the dark the abashless inquisition of each star. Yea, was the outcast mark of all those heavenly passers scrutiny, stood bound and helplessly, for time to shoot his barbed minutes at me, suffered the trampling hoof of every hour in night's slow wheeled car, 
until the tardy dawn dragged me at length from under those dread wheels and blood of strength i waited the inevitable last then there came past a child like thee a spring flower but a flower fallen from the budded coronal of spring and through the city streets blown withering she passed o brave sad lovingest tender thing and of her own scant pittance did she give that i might eat and live then fled a swift and trackless fugitive and how shall that final episode be turned more explicitly there are still a few things left that cannot be uttered or if uttered that become the counterpart even for the willing ear of that tenuity of the bat's cry reported to elude the common hearing it is even as blazak great talker himself says that everything especially theology i think is the cheaper for being discussed yet this untold story transcends the mere romance of de quincey's anne and might indeed for a moment reverse rossetti's just indictment of the life of jenny it makes a goblin of the sun for this flower fallen from the budded coronal of spring took root and flourished even in london mire and again the fragrant petals unfolded and the greenery grew in new poems francis thompson put forth in the mistress of vision his dark gospel of renunciation it is the last word of an asceticism which he practised as well as preached most straight in its abnegation of everything but the beauty his verse unlike his life never could renounce coventry patmore thompson's true captain of song used to say that the young poet's prose was even finer than his poetry and his talk better than both this was a statement with the true patmorean touch of paradox anyway the talk had no reporter and of his prose his heroic prose as it has been called only one example passed during his life into book form the complaint made by brother ass the body against its writer the soul this was published under the title health and holiness accompanied by a note from father tyrell but his experiences in prose as a reviewer were wide in his sympathies and these were sanely universal his articles in the academy under mr lewis hines editorship must choke up many a scrapbook later his contributions to the athenium afforded him his greatest scope and stimulant and only with his death came the eclipse of his powers editors forbore to be angry at his delays for after a while of waiting they got from him at last what none else could give at all about ten weeks before the darkness fell on him the little flame of his life began visibly to flicker a change in the country was advised and he became the carefully tended guest of mr wilford blunt not many miles from storrington of his early love to which however not wild arabs could any longer draw him he was too weak for travel save that which brought him back to london better he himself said but surely dying as it seemed to solicitous eyes ten days before his death he went as a private patient to the hospital of st john and st elizabeth in st john's wood and there at the age of forty-eight on november thirteenth nineteen seven he passed away at dawn the dawn that was the death hour in his dream tryst he was laid to rest in st mary's cemetery kinsel green 
in his coffin were roses from the garden of mr george meredith inscribed with mr meredith's testimony a true poet one of the small band and violets from kindred turf went to the dead poet's breast from the hand of her whose praises he had divinely sung devoted friends lament him no less for himself than for his singing he made all men his debtors leaving to those who loved him the memory of a unique personality and to english poetry an imperishable name w m reprinted with revisions from the athenaeum of november twenty third nineteen seven end of section one